So this concept for me came across during the pandemic when we were closed down and everything was shut down and locked down to kind of dig into what was Jesus really doing and going through during the last week of his life, the life we would call the week of his passion, right? I mean, for those of us, whether we've been in church all our lives or just exposed to church recently, we we know Easter. We might even know Good Friday. In some respects, we might even have a little bit of a familiarity with Palm Sunday, but that's the Sunday preceding the resurrection. And so there's a lot of days in between there that we don't have as good a handle on what Jesus was doing. And in reality, when we read the Gospels, right, those first four books of the New Testament, they still they they tell one singular cohesive story, but they're telling it from their perspective. This isn't an author's version. This isn't an author's translation. It's that author's perspective, more or less their viewpoint. And so we see a lot of this information played out in Matthew. We see a lot of this information in detail given to us in John because John is writing to the church to let us know, hey, Jesus is God. There's also details and smaller elements and information found in Mark. Mark is writing to the Romans to say that Jesus is servant. So Matthew is writing to the Jewish people. And finally, we have Luke. And Luke is writing to show the Gentiles, the non-Jew, that Jesus is the Son of Man. He's got a human side. He's got a side that, hey, we can identify with because we're also human beings. And so what we see throughout these first four books of the New Testament, when we put all of this information together in the last week of Jesus's life, is something remarkable that each and every day, not just Palm Sunday, not just Good Friday, not just Easter Sunday, but the Monday, the Tuesday, the Wednesday, the Thursday, and yes, even what we would call maybe Silent Saturday, Jesus is intentionally involved in something for our good and for his glory. And so to support that for me this 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 year, as I translate this over and, and tell the story each day to you, uh, I ran across a book called The Final Days of Jesus. It's a book written by Andreas Kostenberger and also Justin Taylor. And I like the subtitle to this book. So I want to leave this with us and sort of share it as we get started, sort of let us know what is going on here. And the subtitle is The Most Important Week of the Most Important Person Who Ever Lived. And so we're going to put the details together as we go along. And this first one is Sunday, March the 29th, A.D. 33, Palm Sunday. Jesus on this particular day participates in three significant experiences, two of which are really fulfillments of prophecy from the Old Testament. Jesus enters Jerusalem to a cheering crowd that is lining the streets. They're waving palm branches. They're laying down their coats and they're pronouncing him as king. This is fulfillment of prophecy that we get from the book of Zechariah that says, look, your leader, your king is coming in riding on the foal of a donkey. And so this was part, this was sort of the point of no return moment for Jesus. There's no going back for him after an experience like this, because this is a very polarizing scene. You see, the Romans would have seen this moment as treasonous because Caesar is the only king in their world. And the Jewish leaders would have called this blasphemous 
because only God himself would be fit for this designation as king of the universe like the people were declaring. If we went and looked at these encounters and these experiences of the triumphant entry in the scripture, we would see that they are saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So in one sense, they're declaring him king. And in another sense, they're saying this is the Messiah. This is God. And whatever side you're on, if you're a Roman, that offends you because you have given your allegiance to Caesar. If you're a Jew, this is blasphemous because only God himself is called king. So this was no doubt a scene steeped in controversy that was played out in the public square and Jesus could not escape the repercussions. Nor did he want to for that matter. But after the parade of sorts disbands, Jesus then in turn predicts his own death. And we'll look at that in just a second where the scripture tells us that the matters of life and death are in the hands of the Lord. So in a sense, it's remarkable for Jesus to speak of his own death and the details that he does so here because he's saying, I will decide when my life is over. I will end it when it is time to say those famous words we know, it is finished. And he explains his death with an instruction to those who have enough open-heartedness, enough sincerity, enough longing and desire to believe in him, to say, this is why it's worth believing in me. And so these are the two occasions that occur on, on Palm Sunday that are spoken of in the Old Testament, that Jesus would predict his own death, describe it in detail. We see various instances of that in Old Testament prophecy, and that he would ride into the city of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the center of worship, in a parade fit for a king on a donkey. But another encounter happens as well, as Jesus sort of takes a tour, an investigative tour, visiting the temple. It's just a small sentence, one verse, if you will, in Mark 11, but it goes very, very explicitly into what we're talking about now, that Jesus would go into the temple and survey the scene for what we'll look at tomorrow when he goes back to respond to what he sees. All of these instances reveal Jesus's authority as King of Kings, Lord over death, and the final voice on all things concerning worship. And so when we turn over to John chapter 12 and we look at it in verse 20, we see one of these experiences on that Sunday, March the 29th, AD 33. And here's what we read. It starts in verse 20 of chapter 12. Now some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival. And they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee and requested of him, sir, we want to see Jesus. They came to one of his followers longing to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus replied to them, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. I assure you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces a large crop. The one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. And if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. 
Now my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour. But that is why I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said it was like thunder. Others said an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus responded, the voice came not for me, but for you. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. As for me, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. And he said this to signify what kind of death he was about to die. Jesus answered, the light will be with you only a little longer. Walk while you have the light so that the darkness does not overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. Jesus said this, and then he went away and hid from them. What we're going to see as we walk through this week in Jesus's final week on this earth is that he would make his way to Jerusalem during the day for teaching, for instruction, for any of those who had the ears to want to hear what he had to say and the heart to be open to receive it. He would teach. He would lead. But we'll also see that at night he retreats back to reflect and to process the things that face him. Some would say he retreated back to Bethany, to the home of his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Others believe perhaps he just retreated with his close followers, his disciples, to the Mount of Olives. But each and every day his pattern would be to enter Jerusalem and then to pull back. And this is the first day of the last week of the most important person who ever lived. And we call it Palm Sunday.